deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the griffin. Alright, in that case we will go in one and two and three and... Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I'm your host, Cece. And I'm Liz. And Liz, how to put this? We are now in a territory that I would like to propose that we call the terror. Mm. We're in uh, uh, calm seas right now. Sure. We just exited the storm of J.K. Rowling's horrible transphobic mask off tweets sure but you know there have been a couple of bumps along the way every now and then she'll like something that is also heinous and transphobic Mm -hmm. but she's not really saying much right but she's got a book coming in a few months she's got a movie supposedly coming soon you know i believe they're filming it over the summer i thought that they just started filming it although maybe i was misinterpreting the the posts. Yeah. Well, some, something something like that. It's coming. It's sure. it's on the horizon. I'm I'm up in the crow's nest. I'm looking through my telescope. I'm I'm spitting tobacco into the spittoon and going, mm, storm's coming. We don't have a name for the movie yet, do we? No, we don't know. I mean, other than it's gonna be Fantastic Beast blank, we we don't know we don't know what, what the subtitle's gonna be. Okay. So I think that I think we'll get like a teaser reveal soon. Probably during the summer, maybe a little bit before, it will sure. be my guess. But 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 right now, she is calm. Mm. But you know something bad's coming. Mm. Because things are ramping up. Because there's another book that just got announced this week. A new edition of The Tales of Beetle the Bard. Oh. And now technically this one this one already existed. There was there there was a print edition of Tales of Beetle the Bard written as like an you know as an in-universe storybook thing. But they have hired Jason Isaacs and Ivana Lynch and Bonnie Wright to read it out loud for Audible. Wonderful. Something's coming. I, f- I feel it. I feel like something's coming. We're getting we're getting so many little pieces little little nuggets of content involving you know the original actors i i feel i feel it in my bones i feel like as well as the fantastic beast thing we might we might see some sort of return to the harry potter film universe what is what's your prediction feel it what's your prediction i don't have a prediction i don't have a solid prediction i think that all of these little projects uh-huh. are sort of being, and this is very conspiratorial. I have no evidence for this, but these actors who 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 were in the old movies, they keep on appearing in like these little little side projects, and I'm wondering if these are not you being used as like a pretense, but the opportunity is being taken maybe for phone the the phone call. Uh, uh, went through, they agreed to do the thing, and then while they're recording, someone from WB, you know, taps on the shoulder and like, hey, do you have a minute? <laughs> and maybe and maybe something is being planned. We're coming up on the uh, 10th anniversary of those movies uh, ending, but I, I think I think something might be cooking. Or maybe or maybe maybe nothing's cooking yet, but they're they're getting the they're getting the ingredients ready, you know? They're they're preheating the oven. 
they're preheating the oven because like like i said this is entirely conspiratorial i have no 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 evidence but like you know jason isaacs he's in movies uh ivana lynch she's got a successful veganism podcast to be to be on uh (laughs) that is quite the um wow bonnie Wright has an instagram you might be in movies you might have i mean i i am not one to be denigrating the noble podcast for sure absolutely not This is one of those things where, like, nothing's come of it yet, and it could easily have been made up, but it's one of those weird, so, it's such a specific rumor that it's one that I, I, I believe, because it's one of those things that, like, well, when you're, if you're making something up, surely it would be way more, spe- you know, way more uh, juicy or whatever, but the, the whole thing about, like, oh, uh, multiple people saw J.K. Rowling and Daniel Radcliffe hanging out in a car in London or whatever, filming something, mm. right? There was that whole thing. yeah. And like I said, the 10th anniversary of the the series ending is coming up. So I'm just like, what's 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 in there? What are you cooking? I would like a DVD not, version of the Cursed Child, so I don't have to figure out a way to go see it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. That would be really nice. Did you see they're doing that with like Hamilton soon? Yes. Yeah, I feel and I feel like if Hamilton can do that and still because you know, Hamilton is obviously like like the, the the biggest thing with Cursed Child. Everyone said like, oh, they'll never do that because. The stage version is still making so much money. I mean, like Hamilton tickets are like insane, right? Right. If if Hamilton can do it, I I I, I seriously doubt it would be too much of a stretch to see Chris Child doing it. Mm-hmm. But no, so that so that's our first piece of news. And like you know, I have I have absolutely zero interest in in listening to the tales of Beetle the Bard at least at least until uh, we're on book seven, uh, and and this incredibly important piece of uh, uh, lore that only. Uh, uh, gets mentioned in book seven out of seven right uh is relevant to us uh uh but but until then don't care but you know that definitely like activated something in my in my in my mind yeah i think that's fair enough finally uh we have this other piece of news from the wizarding world team themselves over at wizardingworld.com uh the warner brothers studio tour announces slytherin takeover they love this fucking studio tour they love it so much everything everything is studio tour they're making that other studio tour in japan uh but now they're doing a a specific slytherin uh celebration it is called uh a celebration of slytherin (laughs) the great hall will be bathed in green complete with slytherin house banners and displays ranging from malfoy family costumes to the different looks of lord voldemort and this really left out to me because if that means that there are there is going to be a like display of the hoodie the 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 voldemort wore Uh, there better be that is the rarest form of voldemort yeah, I'm still shocked. You know, we we're, we're kind of that that's a little ways in the rear view now us watching the fifth movie. <laughs> and I'm still shocked that like Hoodie Voldemort never became like has just you don't see that posted anywhere. Like like there are so many you know many bad fucking memes get posted to the, the Harry Potter subreddit. Yes, yes, the, I do. I would perhaps wager that a solid percent of the internet is yeah. Harry Potter memes. Yeah. Like, like you know, that doesn't sound like much, but like a percent of the entire internet, 1%, I, I would say, mm. is Harry Potter memes. Sure. But none of them involve Hoodie Voldemort. 
and that's that's so crazy to me because that one has like so much potential you know that's that's there's a, the me, me after smoking that good kush that's uh me looking in the me you just take the kermit meme where it's him looking at him in the in the cloak or whatever you've got so many so many easy dunks there do you think we could uh take a moment right now um mm. and do kind of a like a a segment i suppose mm-hmm. about the different forms of Voldemort, because the I think looks we, I of think Voldemort, we, the looks of Voldemort, and I think we can name them all. Um, and I'd like to kind of, I mean, like loosely, kind of imagine them as if we were like opening packs of like Harry Potter trading cards, and and maybe <laughs> right, and maybe yeah. like maybe like Voldemort's mythic rare, right? Or maybe yeah. he's like a rare, um, but maybe they're like alternate versions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, hoodie Vol- Voldemort is like mythic rare, alternate art, like ho- like holographic the rarest Voldemort, right? Yes. So I'm the way I'm picturing this is you know those like those Magic the Gathering like one-off things that are like here's Optimus Prime and Starscream as magic cards. Right, yeah. I'm kind of imagining one of those but with different Voldemorts. Uh-huh. No, yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. So so Hoodie Voldemort, the rarest for sure. Yeah. Um perhaps a misprint. We don't know. Uh, uh, and then do, 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 what, what are the other, yeah, let, let's list these looks. Let's sort these out. What else have we got here? Sure. We've got, um, kind of what I describe as, um, nude aura Voldemort, which is, it was just him coming out of the cauldron after, after being reborn. He has that like kind of misty, um, y- you know, like sort sort of see through like cloak thing. Yeah. That, that he kind of looks like a Dementor a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think that's like kind of a common Voldemort. That's regular. Voldemort, I think. Do you think that's, that's like the most neutral, neutral yeah. Voldemort? Yeah, I, I'd say so. Okay, um, we've got uh, fetus Voldemort. Fetus Voldemort with uh, snake with boobs. Hmm. Yeah, that one. I'm gonna say that's an uncommon. Uh, you know that's that's a good Voldemort for sure. <laughs> but you kind of see a lot of it. That that honestly, like like pre having a body Voldemort. Uh-huh. Kind of takes up a lot of screen time. That's true. Now there is the fetus that goes into the cauldron, and there's also the fetus that appears in Purgatory. Oh right, that one's are, are grosser. Th- is, are those the same? No, that one looks way grosser. That one looks like an SCP wiki entry. Do you think that the Purgatory Voldemort fetus is like the alternate art of the the more like uncommon pre cauldron <laughs> yes. yeah, Voldemort? The, that's the uh, that's the pre release promo version. <laughs> That's the one that's got the gold date on the corner. <laughs> well, that looks really nice because it's kind of that white room, like the white yeah. room purgatory with that horrible, horrible creature. Yeah. Uh, and then the nice gold foiling date. I love that. Um, yeah. Not worth a lot, but, you know, it looks nice in a trade but binder. It looks, it looks good. All yeah. right. Let me think of another Voldemort. Obviously, handsome young Voldemort. Handsome Tom Riddle. Uh-huh. From the teen, teen Tom Riddle from Chamber of Secrets. I think he's probably a rare. Yeah. Yeah, he's only in one movie. Uh, uh, um, and, and like, I think that that one is actually, that's a rare because it is a, that's, that's a, um, that's a transforming card. Mm. Cause then you've got like shitty kid from Half-Blood <laughs> Prince Voldemort on the other side. <laughs> yeah. He's, He's, you know, you have to play him first, then when you flip him over, he becomes uh, 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 Teen Voldemort from Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling like that's a rare, and it's probably like a bomb and limited. You're probably going to win your draft, but it's not It's not really seeing any constructed play. Um, now we 
We have post post resurrection suit Voldemort. Suit Voldemort. Uh, also known as Slenderman Voldemort. Slenderman Voldemort. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say that that is uh, one of those weird situations where, like, it 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 isn't uncommon, but it's mm. weirdly expensive and hard to find. Oh, maybe it was like printed in a small set that had other like really yeah. expensive like expensive stuff in it, so it's like hard hard to find the find the yeah. packs. Yeah, yeah, I, I I I'd say that. Where do we put um back of the head Voldemort? Oh, I didn't even think of that Voldemort. Um. That is a good question. I think that that's just, I think that's like on a quarrel card. Like, I don't even think that that gets its own like Voldemort card. I don't think that's like creature type Voldemort. I think that that's like. Oh, that's like an instant. It's called like dramatic reveal or mm, something. Mm-hmm. Or or it's on a quarrel card, and but there's like an activated ability in the text that's like what, you know, oh, the sure. Voldemort part. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're going to find out that that literally is a card in the trading card game when we get to it, mm-hmm. I bet. Yeah. That probably is. Exi- we probably just described like a real, <laughs> a real Harry Potter that sounds TCG great. card. Yeah. I No, I, I I think that that's a good breakdown. Are they? I think that's it. I think that's all Are those all the forms of Voldemort, do you think? I, I think that's all of them. Because he's, he's, he's wearing the nude cloak most of the time. That's I think kind that's, of his action, action cloak. Yeah. And that's like what he's menacing everyone in like all the all the table scenes in the seventh movie as well. Right. And he's walking around on the beach. And st- yeah, I think that's 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 him. That's 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 the most common Voldemort. But yeah, no, I I think it's a good breakdown. Yeah. Um, well, well, thank you for indulging that. That was really fun. That was really fun. I'm glad you had that idea because <laughs> uh, 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 let me tell you, the news this week thin. Not much going on. Mm. <laughs> I will say Bustle did have this really good nugget, which was uh, the common room common rooms in the Harry Potter films are notoriously difficult to breach. So is it the same deal for those wanting to visit the Slytherin common room? Like this is their article on the on the same thing on the on the, the new studio tour thing. And I love this turn of phrase that the the common rooms are notoriously difficult to Wait, breach. Wait, I don't know what that means based on <laughs> I, I'm right. like really confused. When I think maybe this is because I've been playing Rainbow Six recently, but breach to me has very specific imagery. <laughs> breach to me means that like so uh, Death Eaters are putting like a C4 charge on on the painting of the fat lady and like doing a sweep and clear. Which I don't I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure all that's required to breach a common room is the password. <laughs> right? Yeah. Breach is just such a violent word to me. I, I, I don't know. I guess I guess Sirius Black tried to ble- breach the common room in yeah, book all three. Yeah, he needed was a knife. With his knife, yeah. And a yeah. password. <laughs> would you like to? Would you like to see like an alternate map for Rainbow Six Siege where you breach the Hogwarts common room? Oh is my that god! Oh, that oh that would be so. <laughs> there's all those Hogwarts ma- uh, maps for Minecraft. Uh-huh. Fuck that! I want to. I want to have to defend a point in the Hogwarts <laughs> in in the Gryffindor common room. I want to sit in the corner with my stupid zappy gun and wait <laughs> and wait for guys to swing in the window so I can tag them with it. Yes, that's exactly what I want. Please. That sounds excellent. <laughs> Oh my god, that sounds incredible. 
Fuck, I miss I miss when video ga- when people could just make custom maps for games. Yeah, I miss mods. That's so yeah. sad that that's just gone. You can't just load up a custom server and say like, "This is my Hogwarts Rainbow Six ser- server." <laughs> <sighs> a bygone era. Era. I'm bygone era. It's really sad. Well, uh, we are way we are way way off 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 the beaten path here. So thank you to Bustle. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to take this as a sign that we should probably get into our chapter for this week. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Um, This week, we read chapter 20. It is called Lord Voldemort's Request. Um, and we're, we're jumping right back in. Um, Harry and Ron are out of the hospital wing. Um, if we remember from last week, Harry got injured during Quidditch and Ron was poisoned. Um, and they're, they're leaving and, and the kind of side effect of Ron being poisoned is that he's friends with Hermione again. Um, and Harry's pretty happy about that. Um, is they're leaving the hospital wing, uh, it kind of gets dropped that uh, Ginny and Dean had a fight, which Harry is unusually interested in. Um, Ron doesn't notice that, but Hermione kind of gives Harry a look and is like, why do you care that Ginny and Dean got in a fight? Um, uh, but he kind of kind of waves that away. Um, we also find out that... Um, Ron and Lavender are a little bit, their relationship's a little bit rocky. Lavender approaches Ron, um, and, and we kind of overhear um, her being mad that he's hanging out with Hermione again. Um, but Hermione is, is pretty self-satisfied with that. Um, Luna approaches them and has a, has a scroll for Harry, summoning him to another meeting with Dumbledore. Um, and that, that is, is going to happen that night. Um, I'm pretty sure that we just go um, right into that, um, and and Harry Harry meets up with with Dumbledore, and and Trelawney's in there, and and Harry hears um, her kind of arguing with Dumbledore, trying to get friends kicked out of the school, um, and Dumbledore tells Harry after after Trelawney leaves that that he kind of has to just keep her around, but also for her protection because apparently she doesn't know that she made the um, the. Uh, prophecy uh, from the end of book five about Voldemort. Um, Dumbledore talks to Harry and gives him quite a horrible guilt trip about not getting the memory from Slughorn. Um, Harry is feeling ashamed and very upset that he didn't try harder. He he kind of lamely tells Dumbledore like, oh, well, I asked him and oh, well, I, you know, tried to talk to him, but then Ron got poisoned um, and Dumbledore does kind of the the disappointed dad routine where he's just like, oh, I thought you'd try harder than that. I tried to tell you how important it was and, and Harry um, is is feeling... Feeling pretty bad about that, um, Dumbledore says that he has two memories to show Harry this time, and I will explain those now. Um, the first one, he, he Dumbledore kind of um, prefaces by um, summarizing what we saw last, the last Voldemort memory we saw, which was, I believe, Voldemort killing um, his dad and his dad's family and framing someone else for it. Um, and this this one um, happened shortly after um, Voldemort graduated from Hogwarts and tried to ask uh, the then headmaster for a job as the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher and was denied and was told, you know, come back in a few years when you're older. Um, and Voldemort went and got a job um, at Borgen and Burks as like a uh, salesperson and also like an artifact um, acquisition uh uh, person, um, and this memory that we see is from the perspective of a house elf of a a lady named I what Zebed Zebed Hep 
Hebzibah. Yeah. Um, and 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 we see uh, the house elf and and her, and she's getting ready to see Tom Riddle, and is clearly like very excited to see him. He's going to come and and try to buy um, some artifacts from her. We get the impression that she's probably kind of a. Hoarder was kind of the impression that I get, and and he shows up, um, and he's try he's uh his job is to buy some goblin made armor from her, um, and she mostly just wants to socialize with him. She has a crush on him. Harry notices just just how handsome, uh, young young graduated Tom Riddle is, um, and she clearly notices that too. Um, she's not so interested in business, but but more wants to impress Tom Riddle and shows him, um, her two most prized artifacts, one of which being. Um, a goblet that was owned by Helga Hufflepuff and a locket that was owned by Slytherin. Um, and Voldemort has kind of some recognition of the locket um, as having been scammed off of his mom. Um, and we also get some impression that Voldemort's a little, a little evil. He he gets he gets so angry and and covets these items so much that he his eyes turn red or or whatever. Um, they leave the memory, and Dumbledore explains that um, two days after that happened, um, Hepzibah Smith was found dead, um, and the house elf confessed to having accidentally poisoned her. Um, and and Dumbledore kind of puts that together for Harry that this is the second time that Voldemort has gone and kind of imperious someone to to do a murder. And it wasn't until um, a lot of time after the death that um, they realized that uh, the goblet and the locket were missing. Um, and the second memory they they watch is uh, one of Dumbledore's when he was uh, headmaster. It was probably 10 years later. He kind of frames it as being like, oh, well, Voldemort kind of disappeared after this happened. No one heard from him other than some maybe dark deeds that he had been doing. And in this memory, Voldemort, well, Tom Riddle shows up and he's he's looking a little bit more evil. He's looking a little more skeleton like he's got some scary red eyes Um and he's asking once again for the Defense Against the Dark Arts job, which Dumbledore kind of deadpans and is like, you know, I'm not going to give it to you. I, I don't even I'm think asking you-, you once again for the Defense Against the Dark Arts position. <laughs> he's not going to give it to him. Doesn't even think he really wants it. Uh, Voldemort's like, well, yeah, but haven't you heard about all the cool evil stuff I've been doing in the meantime? Dumbledore says, yeah, uh, that's why I don't want to give it to you. Voldemort says like, well, okay, bye. That's the end of the memory. Dumbledore says, Harry, you have, this is all I have to show you until you find out what, what the hell Slughorn told Voldemort about Horcruxes. Uh, see you later. That's the end of the chapter. We're in a weird situation this week where we did not have time to talk about this chapter beforehand to get any of our like thoughts collected. Right. And I've been kicking this one around a lot in my head. What do, what do you think of this chapter? Um, I think some of it is okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> <But> not, <laughs> that, that, that's it. <laughs> that's fair. That's a, that's that that's a full statement. <laughs> I, I think some of it's okay. I I mean I probably editorialized a little bit in my summary at the end, yeah. and you could tell just how absolutely absurd I think that the final memory yeah of Voldemort and Dumbledore talking is yeah I think the best way I can describe my feelings on this chapter, just broadly here, uh-huh. you know how I've like 
joked multiple times about how the way the characters behave in the worst chapters in this book uh-huh. reminds me of like an oblivion where you're just messing with the emotions wheel uh-huh. and they like they go from like oh i saw i saw a mud crab the other day to like oh get out, i fucking hate you get out of here get out right. of my sight thief yeah um that was me reading this chapter like <laughs> like from like honestly down to like paragraph to paragraph like smiling angry smiling frowning like just <laughs> like I, I got real whiplash from this chapter i think it has some interesting imagery has some interesting imagery we'll get to the the last i think the last scene is the juiciest to talk about okay but but we let's, will let's start from the top here start um, from, yeah let's start i the cannot get over the phrase that is just right in the first sentence which is that harry and ron were restored to full health <laughs> 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 oh how did i miss that is that is that some gamer stuff restored coming through to full health. we've been restored to full health by madame pomfrey fuck they hit the safe did point. they did they make it to the inn and get restored to full health <laughs> what's up with that does this mean Harry's ult is charged? Oh God, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I hope he gets to do something soon. It's a new yeah. It's a it's a new day. He has all of his actions available now. Uh, that's exciting. Going into the next chapter. Um, yeah, the beginning here kind of opens with the one two punch of that, and the one that leapt out to me was the drowsing creature in Harry's chest suddenly raised its head sniffing the air hopefully harry's uh, horny it, monster is back the horny monster is back and like more literal than ever like it is now just i i'm actually i did not think to do this before we recorded mm-hmm. but i have half a mind now to like poke around on the subreddit and maybe like find some old forum posts i want to know if there are people who thought there was a literal monster inside harry mm. Be- because i you know, I am an adult. I understand metaphors. Um, but this is a really weirdly uh, straightforward one. And I can imagine a kid reading this and being like, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. What is the... There's a monster in Harry's stomach? What's going on? Because it gets mentioned like... Like, this is like the third or fourth time in this book. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the same kind of st- style that... um it reminds me of the Dragon Riders of Pern a little bit because I know I, I mean this is this is kind of a weird one, but mm-hmm. what I remember from those books is that the Dragon Riders were like connected psychically, right, with the dragons, yeah, and so they would kind of like share like an emotional bond, which sometimes meant that there was like we- a weird horny connection, <laughs> and it. it Reminds me a lot of that. Like it just—it feels like a very literal, literal creature. What yeah. do you? What do you picture? Do you? Do you have a picture in your head of the horny, the horny monster? Yeah, it's um, to me, it like looks like one of those shitty medieval drawings of dragons. Oh you know? yeah, where they've got like a really long snoot, and they've like, and they've got like big eyes, and they're they're like all curled up all the mm-hmm. time. They kind of look like that to me. That like that's what I'm picturing. Is there's there's just a weird, weird like etch etch drawing of a dragon hanging out in Harry's tummy. I really like that. I picture um, the design of Smaug from the Hobbit movies, and I don't know why. Because <laughs> it's Benedict Cumberbatch. It's Benedict he's always, Cumberbatch. He's always is on the your horny mind. Monster. Benedict Cumberbatch is a horny monster. <laughs> <laughs> 
horny monster is very confusing to me in the same story where he has an like a another monster inside of him that is right. real and literal. Yeah, it's super confusing. And and for, like I know we've had the discussion back and forth multiple times at this point like are all did, of his negative Harry, emotions. Did Harry get Voldemort's horny monster? <laughs> is that the part that he got? He got he got Voldemort's libido. Yeah. Um yeah, it, <laughs> it's it's it, and it's frustrating and it's like I get that it's supposed to be like uh, an expression of like oh like out of control teen feelings right but it's so the imagery is so um i mean like like it's not violent i suppose because it doesn't really do anything but it's like it's very threatening in a way that's like really uncomfortable to read and like not i don't think is like a good relatable way to write about his crush you know mm-hmm it's it's it it makes the whole thing feel really nasty uh in a way that I don't think is intended. It, I I like I can see the steps to how we got here, I think. We will be going into this in depth later in this chapter. How funny it is that Harry uh uh is very has a very keen eye for handsome men. Yes. And and I, and I feel like we got here where like J.K. Rowling was trying to masculinize it up a bit, you know? It's like, oh, like a cool monster. Like, oh, there's a cool dragon in, in my tum-tum. And it's just, it, it, it just kind of feels alien in a weird way, I guess. It feels um, like twee teen lit thing that nothing else in these books feels like. Right. I feel like it has been transplanted from like a John Green novel into Harry Potter. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. And, and like, you know, for as much as we like bag on, on John Green, I think it would work more there because John Green's novels do, uh, uh, d like deal upfront with a lot more, a uh, like uncomfortable processing of like negative feelings stuff. Right. Yeah. And also there's no kind of like wires getting crossed about like fantastical elements in the story. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're not, you're not reading looking for Alaska and are going like, Oh, is there a literal dragon at the school? You know, there's, you <laughs> right, know, they're yeah. not, there's not. Yeah. Um, but this is a story where the twist is that Harry does have a piece of Voldemort inside him. Right. So it's or, a little... or it feels like an era of like quirky teen movie voiceover. Like it feels, yeah. it feels like I could hear this as like a Scott Pilgrim voiceover line. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, yeah. Like, and it would work a little better there too because it's like inherently absurd or whatever. Like, it's it's imagery that pulls from fantasy for a like a quirky comedy. Whereas this, it's like, hang on, I know that Harry literally has something going on here. Mm -hmm. This is like you say, this is really crossing the streams. Uh, uh, so, so every, t every time this little guy shows up, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I get my oblivion frowny face on cause it's just, it doesn't feel appropriate. No. And I'm just not sold on this Harry Ginny thing. No. The, the kind of back and forth, like I'm, I, I, I feel that kind of like breath of relief having Hermione back in the group and having her notice that Harry's being weird and Ron not, I think that's kind of cute. Yeah. Like good, good, just like teen stuff. But yeah, the horny monster is not. Not working for me. I'm definitely glad to have the trio back as a dynamic here. Mm -hmm. um, I will say I th almost threw my hands up at the resolution to this being Ron almost dying and Hermione just letting it all go. 
because that's yeah that's i'm i am like i'm moved on to acceptance that jk (laughs) rowling like cannot write another resolution for these characters it is conflict resolution there there has not been a a resolution or satisfying conclusion of a conflict in between these characters like it is literally the like troll in the bathroom scene every single time and i thought it was really cute the first time they're 11 right and that's the thing about like kids friendships is that stuff like that that happens and it's like oh we're friends now um that doesn't work anymore yeah but but i've moved on i'm just like this is all (laughs) this is all she's got for me right because like the the um there was the the conflict that i actually really enjoyed in book three uh, that was sort of like the the like class disparity between Hermione and Ron, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like in f- them feuding over the pets, and I thought that was great. But that was resolved when they decided to just forget about it and help Harry, like for Harry's sake, right? right. And now it's like, well, Ron almost died, so uh, uh, bygones are bygones, I guess. Uh, uh, don't need to. Don't need to hash any of this out. Yeah, and then to make it even worse, they're trying to sell us on a romance between these two characters. <laughs> there are a lot of people who like. I don't love. I mean, like I, you know, I, I don't, I don't like talk to or really want to hang out with all the time. I'd still be kind of sad if they died. But that's not conflict resolution, right? Like that's. <laughs> That's I I uh, that would he, that's a that's that's a different feeling. It's it's a weird it's a weird way to like uh uh, uh g- get out of writing these characters that having to actually talk about their problems with each other. Mm-hmm. And it would work, you know, if if Hermione was known to be like conflict averse or something. That'd be one thing. Like Ron is a little bit conflict averse, and that's kind of like that was sort of funny in the last chapter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Hermione's not. Hermione lives for drama. Yes. Hermione. Hermione loves to to like pick and uh, and poke at at at, uh, at conflict. So that's it's, what, that's it's, what the Joker character is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hitting those <laughs> pressure points. <laughs> Yeah, so that that felt a little weird, but like, yes, I I I'm I think I will happily swallow that criticism because I much rather them be friends again, just for this, you know, the sake of having this more fun dynamic around again. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, yeah, the stuff with like, it, it's so frustrating because I don't buy the Harry Ginny relationship at all, right? But no, she's I, not a character. So no, not a character. Don't understand why they like each other, but. I do like Harry's, like, really conspicuous behavior, like, asking about Dean and Ginny. Like, like that's funny, right? Like, that, that's, that's, that's some good teen drama comedy stuff. Yeah, and it does a pretty good job of that. Like, he tries to act, like, nonchalant about it and ask, but they get distracted by something else. And so he doesn't get his answer. And then it's like, so, why are Dean and Ginny fighting? Like, that, that's yeah. really funny. Yeah, like, He just yeah. can't help himself. It's cute. Uh and and Luna's appearance here is just delightful. I I love Luna here. I love Luna here. She's great. I lo- I I can't believe how much this character is uh delivering for me. I will say that it was really weird to have Ron look at the camera and say like she's really growing on me now. Yeah, I hmm it it was that's I mean, it's similar to the Dean stuff, right? Uh, on the superficial level, I really enjoyed that. 
Uh-huh. Uh, I, I enjoyed, uh, like, people being nice to Luna. Just on, like, on, on, like, in my lizard brain. I'm like, yay! I love Luna. I like it when people are nice to Luna. Um, but it is such a weird... Like, th- those feel like Harry's lines that Ron is saying. I, I think that even if Ron is coming... Or, I mean, this uh, this is, like... I mean, this is a funny one because I think that as far as a media criticism podcast that we have, we very rarely um, talk about the like very like, I don't know, criticism 101 of show don't tell. Right. But like, yeah. please just show me Ron being nice to her. Show me Ron like <laughs> like, oh, she's growing on him. Don't have him like just say that to me because it's clearly like a guiding the reader to that. Yeah, that, it, you could cut the line. You know, she's grown on me. He said as they set off again for Great Hall. I know she's insane, but it's in a good way. Like like that. You you could just cut that line completely. Does not yeah. need to be there. That's like his behavior, his him like praising her commentary and like, you know, being genuinely engaged and asking her what the like the, the Gertie route is and stuff. Like that's enough. Like like we that that if the if the goal is to kind of have like Ron go through a little bit of a face turn uh-huh. after he dies, right? Or you know, he's had a near death experience and he's like, oh, he's a little nicer now. He's like he's appreciating the yeah. people around him some more. Maybe we we got it. Yeah, we are we are we are smart readers. We are paying attention. <laughs> I got it. We yeah we do not need to have him say, uh, uh, hey, readers, I like I like Luna now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I missed something in my summary that I did want to bring up. Um, and actually, I have a well, it's sort of a confession. Um, mm. What what episode are we on? This is one hundred and two. Okay, episode one hundred and two is my first episode of not having any notes. So oh. that summary was right right off the top of the old noggin. That was pretty um, good for off the dome. I feel like there's probably a lot of a lot more ums, a lot more oh I don't remembers. Um my my notes are stranded on my broken computer. Right, of course. Uh, so I didn't have those. Um but one of the things I missed was right at the beginning here when they're walking away from the um the hospital wing, uh, there's like a first year who yes. has some broken scales that they stop and fix. Um, <laughs> unnamed it, first year. That unnamed they first on. year. This is my favorite dumb clue now. <laughs> I, I'm I'm coming back around on this being like idiot genius. Okay. In that, like my, <laughs> it is so phenomenally stupid that in a book where every single minor character gets a name like Bork Gerdison or or <laughs> John John Bob Bobkirk like every single minor character that Harry comes into contact with gets a name and we're like introduced to them as if this will matter at some point right uh-huh. The one time that we do not get a character's name is when it's whenever it's Crab and Goyle in Polyjuice form, and nobody's just wondering about that. Who are no. these? Who are these girls but that we're again, seeing? Like we like we said last week, Polyjuice. The way it works is you are taking on someone real. You're taking on their form. Yeah. So Harry with his his in, incredible 
new like Rolodex in his brain. Like the, there's a monster in his tummy that has a Rolodex that tells him the name of every Hogwarts student in books in books five and six so yeah, far. Yeah, it's like oh, here comes Jack Sloper. <laughs> the monster gets horny whenever Ginny's around, but when it's not horny, it's like it's got its little reading glasses on and it's just kind of flicking through. Like oh, that's Jack Sloper. Uh, that's Ernie McMillan. Uh, uh, but I don't know who those Slytherin girls are. I know Nor do ever- I want to find out to put their names in my in my Rolodex. <laughs> yeah, so I am I I have come back around on it being insanely funny that the, I think this is the <laughs> third or fourth time that they've like run into these unrecognized Slytherin girls and not said what their names are i will say that for this one it's a little bit more believable it's it's them like commenting on how young the first years look and like of course older students wouldn't keep track of like who the 11 year olds are at the school but it just is such a to have this one happen after all of those other slytherin girls it's just it's really something it's really funny it's this is one of those ones where it's like if this was the only one where they went unnamed, I might not even have noticed, right? Um, but because every because this is now the again like the third or fourth time that they have bumped into uh, an unnamed Slytherin girl in the corridor in the seventh floor corridor or whatever, it's uh, it's it's a little it's it's becoming comedy to me at this point. I, I'm gonna give this version of this clue credit. In that I think this is the only one where it serves a narrative purpose that isn't just depositing the clue to the reader. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that it is it is um, in this place where they are like is deliberately there to show them like how they're growing up. And Harry's got a, a horny monster and to to have them be those kind of like aloof 16 year olds like yeah. oh, the, the, the kids are getting younger and younger, aren't they? Yeah. Um, like that serves a purpose whereas every that isn't just the delivering the clue that all the other ones didn't yeah um, it provides so some this flavor is the best, this is the best version totally. of this clue it provides some flavor for like you know who these characters are now after six years at hogwarts mm-hmm. um oh and that was the other thing the, the uh i know that they were named last chapter as well but like right after them talking about the mysterious unnamed slytherin girl please don't pay attention to who the, the this, this character is right we, we get harry yelling about coot and peaks again oh yeah those are there in his rolodex coot and peaks mm-hmm. uh uh and and jack sloper those That's are all right. those are all there but not not unnamed Slytherin Although, girl. maybe he just doesn't know any of the girls, because he also had to be introduced to Luna, so maybe he oh, has just all the boys' names. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, maybe this is his list, like the list of all the boys and, and how handsome they are. Harry Harry is a uh, stalwart proponent of Dude's Rock. That's, <laughs> that's his philosophy. Uh-huh. <laughs> has no time for girls. Absolutely not. <laughs> Oh, um, so they're all friends again. They're growing up, uh, but, uh, but Harry's got somewhere to be. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got to go talk to Dumbledore. Have you noticed that this book is just Harry, like, choosing a new dad? Because every, <laughs> like, every, I'm just like, it is all crystallizing for me. Um, Sirius, who was his, his new appointed dad, 
um, came to an unfortunate end at, at, at book five. And now Harry's just kind of like shopping around for who his new dad is. Is it this book? Is it Voldemort who also has, you know, like a, a like an obsessive connection to Hogwarts? Is it Dumbledore who's being disappointed dad guy? Is it Snape? It's just, he has like so many <laughs> options and he just can't figure it out. It's it's the very literal version of Dream Daddy. This right. is this is a purely non-sexual version of Dream Daddy. It's like, no, who is my dream father? Who I have so many fathers figures to choose from here. Right. He's got he's got like a pro and cons list for every every one. And some of them it's like, oh, is Voldemort with my dad? That would be really bad. <laughs> That's the bad end. If you find out Voldemort's your dad. Right. <laughs> Yeah, this is really weird. I mean, so for one thing, the conversation with Trelawney is odd. And yeah. sort of a like a reminder of like uh, Trelawney was one of my favorite characters in book three. And she uh-huh. has really, really, really fallen off, I think. In a and like it, she's unpleasant and like shrill and like conniving in a way that like I really don't feel like fits what we got in book three like she was aloof and like a little full of herself in book three but like she's just kind of like like shitty here right like she's she's become really really unpleasant uh and that's kind of a bummer i guess like it it doesn't it doesn't feel like a natural evolution for her really i don't know what the point of this scene is i'm not saying everything has to be a point but like it just it feel it feels just kind of like a bummer and nothing else. It I, I guess it's to show how cool Dumbledore is or like how in control puppeteer guy he is. It's I think it's that, but also I think that this is where we are introduced to the idea that like or or like it's confirmed, I guess, that like she doesn't know that she she did the prophecy that involves mm-hmm. Harry, right? Like, so is we, that like a is that like a plot hole covering up maneuver? Mm, I don't know if it's really I, I like I I I don't want to be too hard on it just because I I I think it's more just like plugging a like something that could be a plot hole further down the line you know because mm-hmm. we we sort of could vaguely guess from book three and the way that the trance works when she does the she gives the prophecy about Sirius right. Right, I mean, um, she even confirms to us. She she says like, "Oh, I don't know what happened," and Harry yeah. like, asks her about it, and she doesn't remember. But with something with like as much cultural import as like this prophecy that Voldemort sends all of his goons to try and track down, I guess, <laughs> I guess like maybe maybe there was some like question of like, "Oh, does she know? Does does Dumbledore told her? Is she aware?" Like like. Uh, you know, maybe this is where her sense of self-importance comes from, but it turns out no. Like it's, I guess it's just unknown to her. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of just like, I'm, wi- I'm, I'm with you on like, I don't really know why this is here exactly, but I think that that would be my guess is like, it is to confirm that yes, she does not know, she has not been told that she has delivered this like earth-changing prophecy i mean this whole scene is just more zombie dumbledore yeah oh yeah this scene is incredible if if you are like like us uh uh uh, zombie dumbledore pilled this is 
this whole thing well you know where he he's like talking Trelawney down and then this like crazy gaslight maneuver he pulls on harry here uh yeah. is eerie am really. i supposed to be sad when this guy dies <laughs> right hello yeah, it's cr- like and like from that from that perspective, if I if I pretend that I have not read this book before and I'm reading this for the first time, uh, and that that like this is, dumb, you know this this beloved character being deconstructed, uh, I I I love this. It's so scary and so like such a like vivid image of of manipulation. Right, Dumb- like, Dumbledore is so clearly the villain of this book, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it, but also is not like like yeah, it is. It's it's crazy. It, it it is such a scary scene. Him just like lording over this teenager, uh, uh, that I just don't think is intentional in in the slightest. I think there's even the part where he's like. Oh, so you got distracted from doing the task because your friend almost died? Oh, well, I thought that I impressed upon you that it was more important than that. Like, holy shit, yeah. dude. <laughs> it's it's wild. And it like it is a great scene. <laughs> like it is or like it like it's vivid, right? Mm-hmm. Like like it is so um uh 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 like it's it's such a great uh, inversion of the thing that we've already had Harry uh, uh, say to us as the narrator before. I think it was in, I can't remember if it was in book three or four, but there's that line that has always stuck with me where where it says, uh, you know, it would have been uh, it would have been better if he had yelled or something like that, right? Like, Harry, Harry is so disturbed by, like, Dumbledore's, like, quiet disappointment in him Mm-hmm. I think it's Goblet of Fire, um, and like that. That is this is such a good like sinister twist on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it, but I can't like I don't want to give it too much rope because it's like well I I think that I am supposed to be be on Dumbledore's side here. Like oh Harry, you dumbass, you forgot to lie to the teacher and get his his precious memory juice. <laughs> I. I mean, I just, I'm so on board with this scene and all of the stuff that Harry says that, like, he feels physically smaller, like, he's so hurt by this, and it's so evil. Mm-hmm. And, and they're in, like, they're in these, like, secret meetings where he's showing him, like, gore vids, and I'm just <laughs> like, this is so sinister and so evil and horrible, and Dumbledore is so clearly the antagonist of this book, and I can't believe it is... Not that. No. Yeah, it's... I am going to be very, very interested to see exactly how, like, the Dumbledore death scene goes. Because you're right. It's like, I'm... At least where we stand right now with this character, I'm not going to be sad when he dies. Like, he's... He is a monster here. Uh, and he is like it, it, it. This is also like the one. If this had been the real twist, right, or or if this was the interpretation we were supposed to take away 
uh, from Dumbledore's behavior in this book. Mm-hmm. This would be the one thing that would make the like Jeffrey Dahmer Voldemort stuff make more sense. Is if is if there was like the obvious like overt evil of Voldemort uh distracting you from the like much more down to earth emotionally manipulative uh uh like like i, I mean like just to to put like too fine a point on it like abusive dumbledore right like like this is this is emotional manipulation to a like almost textbook degree here right mm-hmm. um and i think that that would have been I think we've talked about it before. Like, you know, if, if, if Dumbledore was like, uh, 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 showing Harry these like manipulated memories that make Voldemort look a lot more cartoonishly evil as part of this plan to like puppeteer and manipulate Harry, that would have been incredible. And may, and may, Hey, may, maybe we're, we're wrong. And like, maybe that is the point, but I just, I don't think, I don't think it is. I think that this is just entirely by accident that Voldemort, or I keep calling him Voldemort. I mean, he basically is a a scarier villain at this point, but like for Dumbledore to be this, um, this like, uh, I don't know, evil spider guy. (laughs) It's, it's crazy. Right. And it would also, like you said, like showing Harry these like manipulated memories of Voldemort would work so much better for me because, frankly, the evil thing that he is shown doing and like his like the way that it, it portrays Voldemort as being evil or scary in these memories is frankly pretty stupid. <laughs> it's lame as hell. Yeah, like really quite quite bad. If these if. If the stuff that he's being described as is supposed to be eerie or scary to me, it fails so utterly, but would work in, in you know, a Dumbledore's grand plan to scare a teenager yeah. who he has power over by showing Voldemort's scary red eyes. <laughs> right. Um, that works a lot better for me than this, which I'm pretty sure I'm just supposed to take at face value. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the scary red eyes, let's talk about that first memory. Um, yeah. So I like the imagery of this memory a lot. Yeah. Um, there's some stuff that definitely veers into some, like, fat phobia stuff, but there's, yeah. like, this imagery of this lady that is, um, like, described as looking like she has, like, cake icing on her and is, like, lording over this, um, like cramped room full of like artifacts and just the way I picture that is so vivid and I might be giving it too much credit. Um, I think it, no, I I think you're right. I think it would work, uh, uh, a lot better or, or, or work just as well rather. Cause the, the weird thing is like the, the, the picture it's similar to the slughorn stuff where I get what it's going for and then it just keeps going. Right, mm-hmm. like it'll say, like, oh, Harry saw a large woman who looked like she had cake icing on her, wearing an ugly dress. Blah blah blah. I mean, like, you know, it's written better than that, but like, that's the 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 important part, right? Uh huh. And I'm like, okay, good, got it. Character is in my head. Great description. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, then it keeps going, like, and her, she had uh, uh, stupid fat feet, and her cankles were big, and her face big, was big stupid. Big fat hands, and, and Harry thought she looked ugly, and like all that stuff. It's like exactly just, just leave that. 
leave that <laughs> out because I like when I go into this, I'm picturing um, this is a weird one. I'm picturing the like cake icing Pokemon, which I get oh, yeah. next. And I'm picturing like <laughs> like the cake as the dress in this like colorful kind of like tacky artifact room. Like it feels um, like very magical to me. I know that's corny, but like we don't see a lot of like witches and wizards right. in their domains. And yeah. so that was like a cool image. Like I, I I can picture that really well, but it does veer often into meanness as these books often do. It's, it's so weird because there, there's the, this comes up with Slughorn a lot where like mm-hmm. it, him, him visually being uh, compared to a walrus is like really vivid and excellent. I think like that, mm-hmm. that, that immediately like conjures an image of like a type of guy that he is. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, there, there's the one that I liked a couple of chapters ago where it, it, it mentioned like, oh, he had, uh, he, he has like his little legs were resting on on the uh, the the couch cushions or whatever, mm-hmm. and it just like like there there's a way to physically describe characters without, um, like making it clear what your own biases are as the author, you know, mm-hmm. like it it makes sense for the character. Right, maybe to like notice these things, but then then you keep on laying it on real thick of like like th- th- this happens so much with like Dudley and, and and stuff as well and and Vernon where it's like I get it, you don't need to remind me how bad this person is for being fat, like right, it it's 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 unnecessary and it's just tiresome. I don't know, like it's it's just kind of like okay, all right, I get it. Roll like moving on. Also, just I mean. There are a lot of women that Harry observes as ugly yeah. in these books, and not very many women that he observes as not ugly. But Tom Riddle <laughs> right. sure is yeah. handsome. Yeah, and and also like the 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 thing that always happens is that um, the the characters' physical descriptions always, always, always come back to their moral character, right. Um, and I know that that, like, I mean, that, that, that is like all stories in like the Western canon to some degree, right? Yeah. Like that is an inescapable facet of fiction. Um, but the way it manifests here is so odd because it, 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 or not, or not odd, odd's the wrong word, but like you, you like, like Slughorn is a really good example because I feel like analyzing it from that perspective, him being like a fat walrus guy is great. Cause to me that conjures up like, like it's a jolly old man guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And with, so like kind of an, a non-threatening exterior to a character who is actually quite sinister. Right. Um, that's all you need. But like the problem is that the, the way that he keeps focusing on that is that it, 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 it then becomes less about like, here is an archetype for you to imagine. And it becomes more like, and this person has a, a moral failing that they eat too much also. Right. Unrelated to anything else to do with their character. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating for sure. I, I think that Hepzibah, like the, the good part of it is she almost just like comes off as like, a monster in Diablo, sort of, yeah, right? She's yes. like a weird. I I don't know. Like I th- I think that there's like good good stuff, and it it sucks that it has to c- come like 
it, it goes too far, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, but this this scene is so weird because like th- th- these are the most interesting pensive chapters we've got or pensive scenes I think we've gotten so far. Yeah, I think so. Because they practically dispense with being um uh pensive chapters. They, mm-hmm. These are the flimsiest excuses to give us a different perspective chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way that I find really funny. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this is a really, this is a really like obtuse way of thinking about this. But you, you, do you know that like apocryphal story about how like in Fallout New Vegas, the trains weren't really trains. They were an invisible guy and the train was his hat. When you got in the, you got in the train, the guy ran really fast. And sure. that was how they got the trains working. Yeah. That is what these chapters feel like to me. These feel <laughs> like a hack. These feel, these feel like a programming hack. In a book that is supposed to only have one POV character uh-huh. <laughs> to get other POVs. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's hilarious, too. I mean, like, I, I don't think about this very much for the pensive because they always work this way. But it's so bizarre when they're like, this is from the point of view of the house elf. But you're still, like, third person watching a movie. You're third person watching a movie and the house elf does not do anything. You don't like, get an impression of the house elf. I think no. the house elf even manages to leave the room at some point. I, to go get in the cakes. memory. I think that's the one thing that the that the house elf actually does. The the person And we who's... stayed in the room. So <laughs> Right. Yeah, it is uh it's it's a I, and I'll take it. This is less of a criticism more of just like a, an observation of how like the the pensive it, 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 it is like becoming less and less of a uh like device with rules and more just like the thing you have to go to to see a a, a different character's perspective yeah i li- i like the interactions between hepzibah and, and voldemort a lot uh-huh. um i i like their back and forth i like her <laughs> i like her being like this w- weird mix of like evil hoarder slash like cougar kind of like uh-huh. it's a really good dynamic i like um i like everything about voldemort himself here except for the fact that he gets Ma- mass effect renegade eyes when he sees something he wants i love that he is really hot i think that is so it is, funny we we have joked about this a lot about like <laughs> harry harry like noticing handsome men all the time i think this might be the most extreme one we've gotten so far Harry, oh. Harry is enamored with this guy. Oh yeah, and and he's it's just like so close to being like, oh, Hepzibah uh, has a crush on Voldemort, and who could blame her? Yeah, well, he he is looking like a snack. It is the the part where Harry is like, oh, his cheekbones have hollowed out, but that just makes him even fucking hotter. <laughs> like, oh my god, he's so chiseled. He's 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 got he, he's got he's such an evil gentleman. <laughs> like. He is an evil gentleman. He is. This is. He's he's probably wearing the the coat that Robotnik wore in the Sonic movie. <laughs> Jim Carrey wore that coat, and he's showing up, and he's just looking like an evil gentleman. He, he yeah. Voldemort is styling uh, for Hepzibah here, but yeah, Harry Harry is so. And <laughs> also in the next memory, he almost seems disappointed that that Voldemort did not exponentially get hotter 
over that period. Right, like, right. But he's kind of, he sounds like in the next number he's going a little bit of a Marilyn Manson direction. Kind yeah. Of a, kind of a weird, uh, kind of a freakier thing going on. Yeah. Harry, well, Harry's just not into that. Harry Harry, Harry likes some tr- traditional facial features and, and, and haircuts. He, he, he's not really into the, the alternative scene, I don't right, think. Right, sure. <sighs> I know that, I know that the, the, like, hot Voldemort thing is just a, like, lifted wholesale from, like, serial killer fiction, but mm-hmm. it is just create, I mean, I think that the serial killer angle of Voldemort is so ineffective that it just makes for a really funny, weird aspect of this character. Every time we get a chapter like this... I, like, really sit down and think, like, is it, like, just, am I being really immature? Like, am I just being, like, <laughs> like oh, haha, what if, what if Harry Gay, haha, funny? But, like, it is striking every time to me, like, how, like, this, Harry, in this chapter, like, told us through, you know, his, his narration that he's horny for Ginny. Right. But, like, we don't know anything about why. Like, Harry has never said, like, damn, I love redheads. Or, oh, she seemed... Like, he, he has described nothing about Ginny physically. Right, uh, but we get Voldemort's hollow cheekbones. Voldemort, yeah, he's got suit. this chiseled he's just, face. Mm. He's in this impeccable suit. Oh, his eyes flash red when he sees something he wants. Like... <laughs> Oh yeah, he's he's really he's really really focused on this. Um, yeah, can we I, talk about the red eyes, please? Yeah, it's insane. It, <laughs> I don't know why. Um, so th- there's this phenomenon that happens to middle schoolers for some reason. I think this is a universal thing, and it is that there is just a contingent of middle schoolers that tell other middle schoolers that their eyes. Tr- like change colors. <laughs> yeah, yes. This yes. is this is a universal truth about teenagers. I don't know why I this was happens. Told this. I know. It's it is in every school. It, there is just it is just like there'll be someone at some point or you may be this person that just as at some point been looked in the eye or looks someone in the eye and says, "When I get mad, my eyes turn red." No, I I I was told multiple times in like middle school Uh that sometimes my eyes were blue and sometimes my eyes were gray right and i thought like damn that's pretty cool and then i started telling people that also (laughs) i'm like damn my eyes change color i mean if if so-and-so says so it must be true right yeah so why would they lie so that is all i could think of reading this voldemort i i get red when he he's mad or he sees something that he likes a lot uh, here here's my thing this chapter sure um combination of this scene and the next scene Uh i had such powerful anakin episode three vibes Oh, wait, so when he gets mad and, like, a shadow falls across his face, which yeah, is, and he by gets, the like, way, a bizarre way to describe something that presumably <laughs> there wasn't a real <laughs> physical, like, literal shadow that crossed his face. Mm-hmm. Um, no. As, like, Anakin, like, pulling the hood up on Mustafar. And, and he gets like, the Sith eyes. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, it is specifically, like, like, this scene, I was getting a little bit of it, right? But it's mm-hmm. the combination of this scene and then the scene that he has with Voldemort or with Dumbledore after this. Um, <laughs> I could hear the like 
theme like playing in the background i was like oh this is revenge of the sith he's menacing obi-wan here i don't think this works in writing no (laughs) questionably questionably works in revenge of the sith well it's weird right because it's similar to the like there's a monster in my in my stomach thing the first time Harry said it, I think, like, when you, because the first one, it's, like, vague. It's, like, oh, Harry, f- f- like, thought he saw a flash of red, which is, like, that can be metaphorical, right? Or, like, that can be, that's that's more figurative, right? Like, you can, you can you know, someone seeing red or someone, you know, but there are so many phrases that, that like, pass the, like, okay, I yeah. understand what you mean test here. Sure. But then, specifically, it happens, like, three times in this scene, <laughs> and then it really clinches it with the part where Harry s- notices, is like, oh, did Hepzibah also notice that Voldemort's eyes are, like, red here? <laughs> Which it just, like, ma- again, makes it physical and, right. and real in a way that I found very funny. I, I like, because I know what it's going for, right? It's Voldemort, you know, he can't keep up this act all mm-hmm. the time. Right, yeah, the mask but, but drops. But him having, he... having his eyes physically turn red almost distract from the the point of yeah. that, I guess. Yeah. And I can... The, th- the thing that is frustrating... I don't even know if it's, like, frustrating. It's just kind of funny. Is It's like, I... I can see this, so... I can see an actor doing a, like, figurative version of this really vividly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. A, a good actor can convey those, like, you know, those behind the eyes. Who are you picturing? Oh, who, who am I picturing here? Yeah, what actor? I mean, Hayden Christensen. One of the, <laughs> the greatest actor of our time. That's right. Thank you. That's the correct answer. <laughs> I actually kind of got, like, a... Like a uh, uh, a little bit of like a fastbender vibe from the second scene here, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, but no, Hayden Christensen, uh, that he's he's the king for sure. But yeah, so this this first memory, it is it is like I said, barely a pensive scene. We sort of go over some more ridiculous, like oh, the memories were altered and and Hokey was framed and blah blah blah. Anyway, moving on thing here. We, and we got introduced to two MacGuffins in one memory. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's always a good sign. This is a really small thing. Mm-hmm. But the part where Dumbledore explains how Hokey got framed here. Uh-huh. And Harry's like, damn, I almost understand Spew now. I almost understand freeing slaves now. I almost get it. Oh, that sucks for Hokey. It sucks that Hokey has no rights. I can almost understand <laughs> wanting to give give these these people rights. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, move moving on. Yes, and let let us also move on to the second memory here. I assume the whole point of this is to show that the d- defense against the dark arts position is actually cursed and to foreshadow Snape not being in that position at the end of this year. But this memory is crazy. Cool, in theory. I get the kind of scene she was trying to write here. I'm obsessed with this scene. This in is practice, my favorite it's part. Hilarious. It's hilarious. I I have so many questions. So, so, I don't even know where to begin. Rattle rattle off a question for me, because I I I think we might see eye to eye on this thing. I want to start with. 
dark magic being the dark side of the force. I know we've referenced Star Wars a lot. Yeah. I, I thought that he looked like a skeleton and looked evil because he had been reborn from a fetus. Mm-hmm. Um, just hearkening back to our Voldemort forms here. Yeah. This is a I, this is an unknown I form. That he was like handsome and then he died when he tried to kill Harry. And then when he was reborn from the horrible fetus creature in mm-hmm. Goblet of Fire, he then took on his like evil skeletal like lich form that we we know know him uh, in his like flowing robes normal form. Right. I didn't realize that he got fucked up from like doing doing force lightning. <laughs> No, yeah, it's it, it is it is uh, he he got Sith he got Palpatine skin he did the Palpatine routine here yeah he like shows up and he's got like red eyes and and looks all all messed up yeah it is very funny and it is I was so disappointed by this because this like archetype is one of my favorite kinds of scenes mm-hmm. when when the, the when the like the bitter rivals have like a summit to like state their ideals of each other. Scene. Sure. Love this shit. Game of, this is why I like game of Thrones, uh, song, <laughs> song of song of game and Thrones. Yeah. Cause like, there's like four of these per book, right? Yeah. Of like the, uh, the different, the, the leaders of the different factions meet over and they'll have like a tense conversation over drinks and state their, their ideologies at each other and then part ways. Love this shit. I am mm-hmm. I am a sucker for these scenes. Yeah. This one is just top to bottom bonkers. Uh <laughs> because it implies that he has been doing like his Hitler shit uh all all over the country already. <laughs> yeah. And Dumbledore's just like, hey man, why don't you come here and do your like weird performative like can I have a job thing that I know is fake for me so I can tell you no. Like what? What? What is the point? Like, <laughs> this is like if if this. Okay, I was about to say this is like if Churchill was like, "Hey Hitler, come over and we'll we'll have a we'll have a brewski and hash this right. out." Uh huh. But it's not that. It's uh, what if what if the dean of Oxford or Cambridge was like, "Hey, hey man." <laughs> Why don't Why don't you come here and I'll tell you to fuck off and then uh, and then well, the war will keep going. How about Honest, it? Honestly, it's not even that. It's more like the dean of Harvard um, saying like, uh, "Hey Charles Manson, do you want to <laughs> come come to my office and ask for a job?" So I can so I so can, I can tell, tell you no. So I can performative tell you performatively tell you no because I know that's what you want and you also know that I'm going to tell you what is the point? <laughs> what was either of their plans here? Cuz they both apparently each they're <laughs> they're both chess masters who can see many moves ahead except mm-hmm. that both of them have seen ahead to a complete dead end here where it's like okay i know he's going to invite me to the school so i'm gonna <laughs> ask him for a job i know he won't give me the job question mark don't know what to do after that and double is like okay i know he's going to come to the school and ask for a job so i'm going to let him tell me why he wants the job and then i'm going to tell him no but i know he doesn't want doesn't really want the job so i'll ask him what he really wants question mark 
Like, it's just neither of them have a like, like no one got anything out of this conversation here. I mean, I guess um, the position got cursed. That's just kind of the only thing that happened. Uh, and Dumbledore said, like, I know your bros are at the bar, by the way. <laughs> I know your homies are here, by the way. <laughs> I know about your homies. I know of your dark deeds. <laughs> That's it. The, I they guess, don't, like, try to throw down, and I don't even know why. No, and, like, I, th- I think the, the there are the two takeaways here, which is one... Um, this is a planting a, another seed for Aberforth, right? Like, the, oh, I'm I'm friendly with the local barman. He mentions the Hogshead. Who uh, cares? Yeah, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's that, that's that's such a meaningless clue. It doesn't doesn't really need to be here. Um, and then the other thing is, like you say, it's the curse, and also the uh, exchange they have where where uh, Voldemort's like ah. I don't think love is cool. And Dumbledore's like, well, buddy, you've got another thing coming if you don't think love is cool. <laughs> like, I, I have, like, talked at length about how little sense the cosmology in Harry Potter makes, right? Uh-huh. And I think, yeah. that, I think that this is maybe the scene that has, like, taken any hopes i have for it out behind the woodshed and just put a bullet in its brain because like yeah there are two huge nonsense reveals here Uh which is one that like i guess i guess the power of love is like a quantifiable like 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 you say like a force power like it's the light side of the force Uh uh-huh and and hate i guess powers dark magic yeah, and it makes you fucked up looking. Which, like, Star Wars can get away with that because it's all borrowed from, like, Eastern mysticism stuff, right? Like, like that kind of works there. We've not gotten any inkling of, like, what the, what the, like, what what magic is in this universe. And the thing that really, really uh, uh, drives this home is the fact that we learn... Uh, what a a new kind of curse the voldemort leaves a like pagan witchcraft style curse on a job now <laughs> which is cool except that like curses as far as we know at this point have been like guns you equip right this is just this is really back to just begging the question about dark magic I yeah. know we've talked about this like a million times, but and it's so I like get that the scene is supposed to be really sinister and they talk and and Voldemort's like, hey, have you heard about the cool evil stuff I've been doing? And Dumbledore's just like, yeah, it's not as cool as you think. <laughs> what was he doing? <laughs> Cursed to turn eyes red? Or is that just a side effect? Like, what is going on? He's gotten too many renegade points. His face is cracking up. He, sure. He looks all he has stupid red robot eyes. Uh uh neither of them come out of this looking like a cool tactical genius. Uh it, they just kind of have a meaningless conversation where either of them could have killed the other one and and have been done with this. Like I don't know, like if they had had like a cool like wizard's duel maybe, maybe they could have done the like you have elected the way of pain fight here and like 
throwing <laughs> each other around the room a little bit, like in Lord of the Rings. That'd be neat. I I know exactly, like I said, I know exactly the kind of scene that 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 J.K. Rowling thought she was writing here. This is Robert De Niro and Al Pacino sitting down at the diner in heat and telling each other that, "Oh, I'm gonna do the crime," and the other one saying, "Like, ooh, I'm gonna catch you." Right, like uh-huh. fucking badass, but it doesn't work here. I wish that the books give me gave me any other reason to think that Hogwarts is like an important location. I know that Voldemort's like obsessed with it for no reason, but why does why does he want to be a school teacher? And Dumbledore kind of like offers this idea, like, oh, he wants to recruit people to his army, and it's like. Okay, but he's the leader of the army. That's like if the leader of the army tried to get a job at a high school to become like an army recruiter. Right, like he did. like he's applying he's applying to be the J Rotsy instructor at his local high school. Right, like and and the funny thing is like like that could happen. Like like Dumbledore even mentions all his bros, right? Mm-hmm. Like it would be a much more sinister plan if Voldemort like secretly set a guy up to be his, like, insider at Hogwarts, right? Sure. Like, I guess that's kind of what Snape is. But, like, if, 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 you know, instead of walking in and being like, hey, can I have this job? It would maybe make a little bit more sense if he wants to recruit an army to, like, get someone else to do it and and recruit these teens rather than do it himself, I guess, and, and, and be dragged away from his job as serial killer. weird kind of metatextual thing happening here uh, especially when like Voldemort is obsessed with Hogwarts and wants to collect all these weird artifacts for it a- and this like strange uh, impression that that makes that there is nothing in the world outside of Hogwarts mm-hmm. like it is it is it necessitates care about that location but only because the reader cares about the location Mm -hmm. and also and there's that part where kind of harry has this weird aside because dumbledore points it out to harry and says like oh voldemort's obsessed with hogwarts you've noticed that now and then harry's like oh i'm uncomfortable because i also feel that way about hogwarts Mm -hmm. am i the same as voldemort and this is such a Undertale moment of I feel like Flowey is supposed to pop up and be like, "You don't want to leave Hogwarts either, do you?" <laughs> yeah, no, it's it. It is entirely for the reader's benefit. It is like you, you, you as the reader also have this connection with the castle, and therefore it must be that important to the world, right? Yeah, but it's their high school. Yeah, it's it's cra- the. I am I cannot wait to read book 7 now because knowing that the the end of this series is a Helm's Deep battle at a high school. Right. Hogwarts is this bizarre seat of power, I guess. But we don't really know why. I mean, I'm kind of like brain genius loving it and I think this is like almost one of my favorite scenes even though it's like so so stupid in that like 
I, I think that it accidentally says a lot about Harry Potter and about it being centered on this high school for no reason. And it just, I, I'm always, I will always forever think of this scene of this like obsession with Hogwarts as this place and this idea that centers on uh, the appeal of the books being about how like, oh, everyone wanted their Hogwarts letter. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, the fandom being like, oh, I, you know, I'm 30 years old and still waiting for my Hogwarts letter. Mm-hmm. I'm still sorting myself into my Hogwarts house. I'm still imagining what my Hogwarts high school house would be right and it does hit this weird like meta textual uh point for me that i like a lot that is um fully fully my reading of it only like i said it it, it is it is my favorite kind of scene Mm -hmm. but it, it is such a like it's an aesthetic copy of those scenes it fails to deliver on any anything good that is from any of those right, scenes right? right like it makes no sense yeah there, there is no there is no grand exchange of ideas or like like witty back and forth between these two characters who are like you know are rivals but have a mutual respect or whatever like like nothing is moved forward here and there's there's this there's also this really like funny funny image here that that comes from two people that have no no reason, no justification that they should be at this high school. And yet they're sitting there like having this power struggle over it because Voldemort even starts the conversation being like, Hey, why aren't you like the president by now? They, they, they have come to your door begging, please Dumbledore, please be the president. And you're like, no, I want to be principal of this high school forever. (laughs) And Voldemort's showing up and he's like, I've been doing all this evil stuff. Haven't you heard of it? He's like, Oh yeah. You're world renowned for your, your evil dark deeds across the country. Oh, yeah, I'd like to be a teacher at this high school, though. Like, that is so hilarious. (laughs) Like, if Voldemort was meant to be a little more naive, it would maybe make sense. Like, oh, I've shown you my power. Aren't you impressed? But that's kind of not what it is. It's just like, damn, I've been doing some crazy shit, huh? Yeah. Can I have a job? (laughs) No. (laughs) Why? Oh, I knew you would say that. (laughs) I knew you'd tell me no. Uh, Anyway, bye. It's genius. It's so funny. It's dumb guy genius. It is. I, it, what a it bizarre. It feels like there should be a twist. Like, I, I'm, what, how did the twist of, like, Hogwarts built being built on, like, a ley line that controls the world go? Did that get cut from, like, the final draft? No, we just got that in real life. Our podcast is, is on that ley line. Oh, I see. That makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. There's, like, yeah, it's, it, there's no... Like oh the ch- what the chamber of secrets is really guarding was the the world tree or so I don't know like like no, no there's yeah. nothing there's nothing that makes makes either of these characters loyalties to this place uh, matter I, I guess. mean but but that's such a cool story there too that it never goes to and that's evil zombie Dumbledore and mm-hmm. it's like they are both having this power struggle over this petty thing that they both created yeah and that Harry's been sucked into that's so cool mm-hmm. nope nothing nothing cool like that no uh Voldemort Voldemort left a left a witch's curse on 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 a job <laughs> position on his way out the door in a huff that's what happened mm very cool. Great stuff. But his eyes turn red when he's mad. His eyes turn red when he's mad, and he's so fucking hot. He's so hot. He's so handsome. 
Do you have uh, anything else to cover on this chapter, or should we take a break? Uh, let's take a break. All right. Hello. Welcome back. There's a phenomenon we have talked about on this podcast that I think we might need to, like, give a name to. Mm. I've mentioned this a few times and I've tweeted about it on our account, but but I'm talking about the, like, cyclical, one-track, like, path that all Harry Potter memes follow. Which sure. is, someone will post something on Reddit that's like, how come... People are scared of the Shrieking Shack because there's ghosts in it when there are ghosts at the school. And Good question. That will, that will get rephrased a million times on the subreddit as, an, as a new thread. And then it'll make its way to Twitter. And it'll make its way to, like, Tumblr confessions. And it'll just sort of, like, start going in this bizarre Ouroboros pattern where I can, like... Here's the thing. I spend enough time looking at all these websites that I can, like... I'm like a I'm like a meme meteorologist at this point. Mm -hmm. Like I can see the weather patterns come and go. Sure. Uh, uh, for all of these these like uh, 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 regurgitated posts. Yeah. One of them made it outside of the containment. Uh oh. Uh, area. Uh oh. This this week. Yeah. Normally everything stay. You know, it's it's funny to observe, and it, it doesn't really harm anyone because it just goes from. It goes from Twitter to Reddit to Twitter to Reddit, back and forth, back and forth forever. Sure. N not a problem. But there was a breach this week. Mm. Uh, and one of the classic Harry Potter posts uh, has been uh, uh, immortalized in The New Yorker. It's terrible news. It's terrible, terrible news for everyone. This one in particular, the, the strain... Uh, of of Harry Potter uh, uh, question, quote, uh, uh, I, I I suppose uh, the, that is being represented this week is uh, the one about how like hey did anyone ever notice how they didn't go to math class mm, in Harry Potter a classic that's that's a classic there's one of those per week on on the subreddit uh, always always a good time. Uh, you know, the, the people fighting in the comments. Well, you just didn't see them. We're like, well, the the wizards. If you read Pottermore, you'll know that the wizards all learn math before they go to Hogwarts when they're kids. Blah blah blah. The endless, endless discussion. Do we have an official stance on this one? I think I I personally, my take is that it just happened. It's like the it's like protagonists going to the bathroom, mm. right? It's they they all the boring classes happen off screen that's, uh, so, that's so you my... think that like they are going to math class basically yeah i, I think they probably go like, like you know they they go to school when they're 11 right they're probably they have to i would hope that they would have like a social studies class or an english class or something right mm, here's my stance maybe we can meet in the middle somehow i think they okay. do learn like basic arithmetic 
and 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 reading and such before they go to Hogwarts, right? Because mm-hmm. we know Harry went to school. Obviously, he's a Muggle-born, but I think they either mm-hmm. learn at home or or just go go to like a primary school, and mm-hmm. then everything mm-hmm. more advanced than that, I think you can slot into the classes, right? Like you obviously have to learn some math for potions. You obviously need to for um, astronomy. Uh, I think it's all practical. Yeah, and like arithmetic also is like I'm assuming that's math it's probably, related. Probably advanced math. Yeah. Advanced wizard math. So so you, you think that it's like part and parcel with the classes they go to? Yeah. That makes sense. I could see that too. You're like like magical creatures is basically biology. Uh uh that 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 makes sense. I mean they're and they're writing um they're writing essays every week. We know that. That's like the one piece of homework we always see them do. Mm-hmm. So I, I assume I assume they're maybe through osmosis or maybe from another teacher they're getting uh, uh, writing tips. I think maybe. that Snape taught them fractions. <laughs> that's my that's my official stance. I think that first year potions he teaches fractions. Oh God! That yes, yes. I want to see. I want to see that now. Now, now I'm now I'm starting to understand this New Yorker letter. I want to see that. I think that that's going to probably be in the CW show because the thing with TV is that you have more time to have you know Snape's right. math class. That's right. But anyway, the the New Yorker published this article, and I, it, you know, like I said, this is this is a classic. This is an old standby, but uh, it's given some panache here. I went to Hogwarts for seven years and did not learn math or spelling, and now I can't get a job. Mm. Dear Headmaster Classic McGonagall. spelling class. <laughs> Sorry, I can't hang out. I have to do my spelling homework. Sorry, I ha- I'm, it's, you know, after lunch, I go, I go right to spelling class in high school. <laughs> hey, isn't every class a Hogwarts spelling class? Ha ha ha. I am a recent Hogwarts graduate, and although my time with you was a literal fantasy, I unfortunately did not learn a lot of basic skills, like math or spelling, at your school. And they spelled school with a K. Who is this addressed to? Uh, Headmaster McGonagall. Oh. You may say, why do you need arithmetic? You're a wizard. You can do magic. To which I reply, sure. For some wizards' careers, that's great. But other wizards work in middle management and just want a normal 9-to-5 gig. When I graduated, I thought that all I would need was my wand and a couple of choice incantations. But these days, without uh, at least a little algebra, you're not even qualified to work in Birdie Bot's retail department. I mean, part of the fantasy of Harry Potter is that it is it is like leaving the boring muggle world behind, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, you, you get the three exciting jobs in the Harry Potter world. Right. You, get, you can be a, a SWAT cop uh-huh. or a teacher. Yep. Or the president. <laughs> what are what are the three in Wizards Unite? It's like biologist, cop, or teacher, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, zoologist, teacher, and cop. Yeah. Great. <laughs> it's hard out here for a poorly rounded wizard. Recently, I went on Magical LinkedIn and saw almost none of my Hogwarts class of 2007 represented at top-tier wizarding companies. Mm. It's not difficult to speculate why. Without the assistance of Hermione Granger, half of my fellow Gryffindors couldn't even conjugate most verbs, and I am not sure that... Oh, I'm sorry. I missed a, I missed a joke here. Uh-oh. Half of my fellow Gryffindors couldn't even conjugating most verbs. Mm. I, I see. get it. I get it. And I am not sure that the instruction we received from Hagrid the Giant is technically certifiable. 
Additionally, I cannot sit still for more than four hours a day without embarking on spontaneously spontaneous adventures, and my vocabulary is poop. When this is published, are you are you dredging this up from like two thousand one? February twenty first, twenty twenty. No way. February twenty first, twenty twenty. This is this was published this week. Thanks to the Hogwarts curriculum, I can withstand mind control and even limited torture, but I cannot write a compelling cover letter without humiliating graphic grammatical errors with an apostrophe. Mm-hmm. Why is literature not a course at your school? With a K. I can enchant my quill to write my thoughts, but I never learned how to make my thoughts enchanting. Oh, damn. <laughs> Holy shit. I heard that Durmstrang students had a school, also with a K, newspaper. You know what Hogwarts has? A three-headed dog lurking in the castle with permission to kill whoever it finds. Indeedly, my life was constantly endangered while at Hogwarts, which was an academic distaction. And they've spelled that D-I-S-T-A-C-S-H-U-N. Mm-hmm. All the other words are spelled right. Uh, there's just, you know, they just got to put a little zinger at the end of each right. paragraph here. Uh-huh. I have also noticed that some employers have dismissive attitudes towards Hogwarts graduates. For instance, I spoke to a recruiter from Gringotts who told me that they don't accept candidates from party schools. Are we a party school? I had friends die here, but not from drinking. It's because they were murdered. Hmm. I'm pa- I'm pausing for laughs here. Um, oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we need we need we need you know this is really funny. I'm I, I'm only not laughing because if you know I have to read it right. Uh-huh. It'd be distracting. Yeah. Um, this is funny. You may or may not be aware, but the economy has changed, and the need for my skills defying Lord Voldemort has lessened. You know what would have been a better use of class time? The study of foreign languages, geography, Brexit. Also, does it seem like graduating students from Slytherin House skew racist? Can we please get them some liberal arts exposure? Is that what makes people not racist? <laughs> As we all know. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. No, no one with a liberal arts degree is racist. <laughs> Perhaps most disturbing of all, our most gifted alumna, Hermione Granger, is as well-read as she is only because she spent all of her time breaking into an illegal library. I believe designating any part of a library as forbidden sends the wrong type of message to students, especially in a school where skipping class and even fighting your professors is kind of chill. Obviously, the culture surrounding education needs to change. Realistically, here is what I am qualified to be. A troll hunter, an auror, an eccentric teacher at Hogwarts. Those are the three jobs. That's all there those is. Are th- those are the three jobs. You're qualified for the three jobs, my friend. As you can imagine, this does not make me an appealing prospect for interview season. My wife and I have a son, and soon we will need to consider where to send our brave boy. I hope that by the time he comes of school age, Hogwarts will have evolved into the type of academic institution capable of preparing him for the highly technical competitive war zone that is the modern wizard job market. In the meantime, is there an alumni network I can send my resume, spelled R-U-S-U-M-A-Y, to? Seamus Finnegan, class of 2007. Oh, that's a twist. Did I already know it was written by Seamus? No, that's the big twist. We know we know who wrote this. We know that guy. Can can we take a second 
How mm-hmm. did this get published in 2020? What has led us here? In 2020 in The New Yorker. Um, I have no idea. I I have theories, and none of them are polite. How did this break free and and enter The New Yorker? I don't I don't need politeness. That is not what I need right now. <laughs> I, feel, I I don't know. Like, does this person no, is this person related to someone who works in the New Yorker? Does this does this writer uh, have dirt on someone at the New Yorker? I don't know. Um, what I do know is that the rest of their uh, uh, published articles in the New Yorker just only raise more questions. Um, and and as as for like how this broke free of like the Harry Potter posting containment field, I really don't know. Uh. I, I, it's, 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 I feel like this is, I feel like we are witnessing patient zero here. Yeah. Like we need to keep an eye on this. I'm concerned. Surely. I'm concerned. Um, perhaps we'll find some clues in their other articles. This is called Beatles songs for millennials. Like the Beatles. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like the fame, the famous band, the Beatles. Okay. Uh, this was published uh, November 30th, 2017. Okay. Drive my Google car. Ticket to Hamilton. Uh, woman emoji, heart eyes emoji, the letter U, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. I have no idea what that one's referring to. She's leaving home to go backpacking for a semester. Hey. In my wife, and they've they've italicized my wife, so I'm assuming I'm supposed to do the Borat voice there. <laughs> do you want to know a secret? Click here. I am the Wall Street lobbyist. While my video slowly buffers. And your bird can Opa Gangnam style. Flying, I'm on Molly. A day in my wife. Lucy stunting on the Jumbotron with blood diamonds. Here, there, yeah, they love me everywhere. I don't know. I can't even begin to parse that one. PhD candidate Robert. This is in the New Yorker? This is in the New Yorker. This is just a list. Sorry, I don't mean to sound like I have this very high (laughs) opinion of the New Yorker in the first place. Reverence for the New Yorker. But, like, I I know I get where you're coming from, because I feel like when, when, when you think of the New Yorker, for better or worse, you think like kind of pretentious short stories, right? And like sometimes sure. they're actually really sometimes good, there's but like been there's some good ones. There's but there but you certainly imagine at least like a more high society vibe, right? I mean, I think that's what they're going for, right? That's yes, that's what they would like you to think. Uh, I want to hold your phone, Her Majesty's Instagram. Help! I'm unskilled. With a little help from Chandler, Joey, Phoebe, Monica, Ross, and Rachel. Don't bother me until I've had my Kofifi. <sighs> Here comes global warming. Run for your life to Canada. Angry birds slinging into the dead of night. Got to get you into my wife. And then the last one is yesterday. This is a timeless classic. This sounds like a post that would go around on like the like 
uh, what was it called? The MySpace uh, like sidebar boards where you could just make like oh. blog posts. Oh yeah, I God, I don't remember what that was called. I know exactly what you're talking about though. That's uh, that is the format for this. This is dark stuff, and we haven't even scratched the surface because we have one more here. Um, they've written a couple of other articles. Uh, one's called "We All Scream for Ice Cream." which I am imagining is just an article about liking ice cream. But we don't have time for that one because we have to read Pikachu's 20th anniversary party. Uh, <sighs> this is really dark stuff. Again, I, I must stress, this is published in the New Yorker. This is from August 15th, 2016. Yeah. The ceremony had been lavish and well-attended. But still, as the evening wound down, Pikachu, a wistful mix of booze and sentiment, couldn't quite believe that it had already been 20 years. Charmander, Charmander said, slinging an arm over Pikachu's shoulder, grinning sidelong at his inebriated friend. Char, Char. Pikachu laughed. Clearly he wasn't the only one who'd been drinking. They walked across a lawn littered with beer cans, amusing themselves by taking turns using Charmander's tail to ignite gray paper plates. This is... this is so grim. <laughs> Why? I, <laughs> I feel like you're just reading... I, I am, like... I, I'm disassociating, and I feel like I'm just being read, like, the top post on, like, the Pokemon AO3. <laughs> No, this is the New Yorker, the famous magazine. Uh -huh. uh, Pikachu, Pikachu said. It wasn't far from the truth. After all, he didn't mean to appear glum and was embarrassed to have been caught sulking. Maybe it was his buzz, which was turning, or maybe it was the tragic spirit of evanescence that looms at the periphery of every commemorative event. Pikachu, he said apolog apologetically. Charmander looked at him as if to say Charmander, but thought better of it. Instead, he said Charmander and slapped his friend on the back. Charmander's emotional intelligence had always been one of the things Pikachu appreciated most about him. In case you haven't realized, there is one joke in this, and it is that the Pokemon say their names. We've got many, many paragraphs to go. My, head, that is my head is in my hands. I am... Thoroughly defeated by this. They came upon a lantern-lit area where tables had been cleared away to make space for a dance floor. Squirtle was performing a hilarious jig, with one hand clamped on his head, steadying his yarmulke. Okay. Okay, so I guess there's two jokes. I guess uh, Squirtle is Jewish is, is a funny joke here. Uh, uh, the crowd whooped and hollered as Pikachu approached. He imagined that instead of being at the Kanto Party Reservation lawn, they were once more in the clearing of some mysterious wood. The lanterns morphed before his eyes into sublime enchantments. The many raised tents became the dark shapes of fairy trees, and the sounds of the celebration were replaced by the nefarious chatter of unseen sprites. Off they would head again, on one of their brilliant youthful adventures. Then Charmander fell over a chair, rousing Pikachu. Squirtle began to do the moonwalk. Knocked owls hooted from distant branches as the moon rose. Bulbasaur stood at one of the host tables and hoisted his glass into the air. Clink, clink, clink. 
It was time for speeches. The crowd huddled excitedly around the dinosaur, who cleared his throat and began reading from a card. Bulbasaur, he commenced. Bulbasaur, Bulbasaur. There's a dinosaur there? I guess Bulbasaur is a dinosaur. Bulbasaur is not a dinosaur. This, the is, audi- this is my objection. This is, the, this is, <laughs> this what, is what I cannot stand. <laughs> The audience laughed politely, and Pikachu slipped away. Twenty years. Had it really been so long? It seemed like only yesterday that they had all set out together in search of glory and 700 other Pokemon. He kicked a can, thunder-shocking it instantly. Was Was this it? Was the 20th anniversary of Pokemon? Yeah. Wouldn't... Never mind. I guess I guess the, the, the 20th is like Pikachu's 40th, maybe? I don't think that, that Pikachu was 20 when Pokemon started. <laughs> that makes that makes Pokemon so much more funnier to imagine. <laughs> the, that first season of that anime, like Pikachu is like a 20-year-old guy. Here, Ash, he's your 20-year-old rat. <laughs> uh he kicked a can, thundershocking it instantly. Was this it? Had middle age finally caught up to them? Were, were their roughneck battling days irretrievably behind them? Pikachu, he heard a host of voices cry, echoing through the crisp night air. Pikachu. He ignored them and walked on in search of the sake tent. Above him, the constellations sprawl, tapestries of radiant cosmic wanderlust. He identified Tauros, charging headlong into Flaffy. He saw Ursaring, the belligerent, using Fury Swipe attack. He observed legendary Rayquaza, the mega-evolved, twisting into a nebula. Then, to his surprise, the universe revealed his own ancestry, the Pikachu, surfing contentedly at a sandal resort. He hung his head. Suddenly, projected over a megaphone, he heard, Prepare for trouble, make it double. The ground shook. Pikachu turned to see the careening Meowth dirigible of Team Rocket, nosediving into the fairgrounds. Pikachu, he gasped. Team Rocket, trying to catch them here? He sprinted towards the ensuing skirmish, where his drunken Pokemon friends fell one by one at the hands of Jesse and Jeeves. <laughs> oh, I'm trying my best here. <laughs> Why are you reading Pokemon fanfiction to me? Who used a combination of poison powder spray attacks and a giant vacuum cleaner to suction up all of the Pokemon into Pokeballs. He saw Charmander collapse, Squirtle's Yamaka was blasted off, Bulbasaur, using usually the hardiest of them all, threw a few wobbling razor leaves before being lifted into the air unconscious. There he is, there's Pikachu, Jesse cried from amid the wreckage, gesticulating at, at the Thunder Mouse, who zipped this way and that, a dazzling blur. Catch him, Jesse, catch him, James shrieked, swinging the vacuum tube wildly. I- New Yorker, you've posted cringe. You are going to lose subscriber. And believe me, the tote bag looks pretty good, honestly. But I will not. I You have lost subscriber. Uh, Pikachu streaked behind them and released a super effective thundershock. The Zeppelin exploded and the members of Team Rocket were sent careening towards the moon. As the smoke cleared, the Pokemon awoke from their poison-induced slumber. Squirtle, Squirtle said. Charmander, Charmander explained. Bulbasaur, said somebody. I bet I, I bet I knew who said that. I bet I knew who said Bulbasaur. Pikachu flopped onto his belly, exhausted but smiling from pouch to pouch. What? 
His cheek pouches. Oh, his cheek. Right. Of course. He started to laugh, then found he couldn't stop. Metapod. Metapod, who was confused, inquired. Choo, 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 Pikachu squeaked. Pika-pee, he rolled onto his back, wiggling his little feet. The other Pokemon exchanged worried glasses. Then Charmander turned to his chubby companion and laughed, shooting a volley of flames into the air. Charmander, he cried, and just like that, they were all laughing. Pikachu gazed up at the stars. He saw Tauros again, and Flaffy, the mighty Ursa Ring, and the coiled Rayquaza. But to his relief, he no longer saw himself or any trace of his companions in the brittle night sky. They were not yet relegated to the annals of memory, resigned to past glories. They were here with him on this magnificent earth, chugging super potions. (laughs) As he looked around at his friends, Metapod evolved into Butterfree. And Pikachu felt quite sure that the next 20 years were going to be the best of their lives. I don't know what to do with that. This is tagged humor and satire and daily humor. Wow. Um, Similar to how in middle school there's like a bunch of kids that will tell you or you might be those kids that your like eyes change color when you feel something. (laughs) <laughs> this is a similar middle school vibe to it, which is when uh, kids start writing fan fiction, but they're, like, drinking beer and stuff. <laughs> Pikachu drinks a beer. Pikachu has a brewski with his friends. I... I don't know what to do with this information. Because, like you say, this is not unique, right? Like, like I, I'm not just, like reading someone's fanfic to make fun of them. I'm curious how this, which could be, like you say, could be any number of fanfics that, like, teens wrote, right? Mm -hmm. How did it escape the containment field? How did it get into the New Yorker, of all places? Uh, Not out of any reverence for the New Yorker, but out of a uh, respect for the the order of the universe, I'd say. This isn't this. Have you ever heard the phrase uh, "oop art"? No. O o o p a r t, out of place artifact. Oh. Like so, there's you ever see like those like photos of like it's like oh here's a photo of like a train station in 1920, but hey look at that guy doesn't his shirt look modern? Oh sure. And I'm like hey this person in this old photo looks like they have an iPhone or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's a that's an that's an out of place artifact. Right. I feel like that's kind of what's happening here. Is it's like, no, this should be these should be on Reddit. This sh- th- this Harry Potter post should be on Reddit. This Pokemon post should be on my Neopets page or something. Because look, I will fully d- 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 just just it's a gesture of good faith here. I wrote a very long Neopets fanfic where uh, my Neopets got sucked into the world of Star Wars. Very cool. I I am I am not above this author. I am just. Very, very curious as to what it's doing here of all places. The the yeah the Pokemon one is something that you would maybe post on your Neopets page and 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 probably get banned for, and then it's like oh that's how I lost my Neopets account. I, <laughs> You're I not po- allowed I, to post about beer on I Neopets. Po- posted Pokemon drinking beer on Neopets and and got my account frozen. <laughs> but this I'm seriously concerned, and and you know we've we've talked about 
uh uh you know our our podcast ley line mm-hmm. and our powers yeah i'm i'm worried that you know repeated repeatedly tapping into this ley line might be shaking some stuff up uh perhaps perhaps we should be more careful in future uh uh, uh using this great power we have been handed because if we keep using it, things are going... It's going to be like the Cataclysm in Harry Potter Wizards Unite. Oh. Everything's all fucked up. The, the things the things that are supposed to stay in the wizard world are coming to the muggle world and vice versa. Right. That's what's happening here. These posts that are supposed to be on Reddit <laughs> or AO3 or Neopets are, are appearing in the New Yorker. And if we don't... If we're not careful, we're going to like... We're, we're going to see some, some, some weird shit popping up in like... The wall, the Wall Street Journal, or 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 I don't know, like someone's gonna give a a Raylo AU a Hugo Award or something. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling a little bummed out because if someone is gonna be publishing um some Harry Potter fanfic in the New Yorker, I'm not sure why it's not us. Like, like <laughs> we're really like 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 putting out these like Harry Potter satire posts and and putting them in major publications. Um, I, once again, I feel I feel a little snubbed. Feel snubbed, Zombie Dumbledore. Hey, New Yorker, if you're interested in publishing some fan fiction, we have got one hell of a theory to run by well, your editorial well, we board. Might, we might jot jot some stuff down, you know? Yeah. Why not? I th- I think it's worth doing, um. But but uh, but the, the the streams the energy is all out of whack mm-hmm. is what I will say. This yeah. this is this is you know the 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 containment field might be broken and we might need to get some some sort of like Shriekcast Ghostbusters assembled to like hunt this stuff down and, and figure out you know what piece together this puzzle. What's going on? How is this stuff? How is this stuff getting out of getting out of the quarantine? Apparently, J.K. Rowling has said, has addressed the the primary subjects and just said oh, really? that wizards and witches are either homeschooled or go to school before they go to Hogwarts to learn. Okay. All right. Learn the basics. Makes sense. That makes sense to me. That sounds like that sounds like some Pottermore content that I can get behind. There are one million Reddit posts about Muggle subjects at Hogwarts. <laughs> Like I said, that's it's all just the belongs. same post. Yeah, that's where this belongs. This, this, this is this is a a lost child that needs to be returned to its family. Right. This post, this post is 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 away from its homeland. It's mm. it, it's gonna die out there. It's like you know, <laughs> it's like when you find a find a bear cub and there's no other bears around. It's like, well, fuck. What do you, what do we do? Right. It's it's not going to survive on its own. You can't release it back into the wild. Guess I guess I guess this is our problem now. <laughs> I, I guess I guess we got to figure out what to do with this Harry Potter uh, uh, satire post. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> yeah. So that's that's a that's a dark that's a doozy. That's kind it of didn't a dark even one. get posted to the subreddit. Oh really? No, it didn't. I just like. Oh it's my surpri- god! It's surprising to me that like oh, there's like a Harry Potter thing in the New Yorker that it wouldn't show up. Yeah, I found out through MuggleNet. MuggleNet posted about this. They were like, "Check out this epic Harry Potter post in the New Yorker." Ah, uh, it is epic though. Ooh, I went to confirm this. I like went to MuggleNet and was like, "Yeah, what was the article?" 
Um, but I, I, it's MuggleNet is so dangerous because you'll go there and it'll just it'll just serve you something that immediately grabs your attention. Yeah, what did it serve to you? Hedwig has an ISFJ personality. <laughs> no way. She's a rare sociable introvert, according to MuggleNet. We will have to investigate this some other time, I think, but we should probably take it to the close now. What do you say? Sure. <laughs> our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use it as our theme song. You can check them out on Bandcamp, and you can check us out at patreon.com slash streetcast for lots and lots and lots of Common Room episodes. Uh, we talk about the Sonic movie. Hey, uh, The Mister, the famous E.L. James novel, is being turned into a movie. If you'd like <laughs> to hear our uh, uh, plans and predictions for that film, check it out. Uh, Liz, what are we reading next week? We're reading chapter 21. It's called The Unknowable Room. Do you think that's the room of requirement? Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Do you think they put it together? Probably oh, not. oh, I hope so. I hope they put piece it together in chapter 21. Right. That's that's exciting. Yeah. Well, I'm excited, but it's not going to keep me from reading another book. Please read another book. Please read another book. But there's a lady there makes ocean rolls seem tame. Better know what you're after if you catch a ride. Because this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.